0: I, I maybe I did play at least a little bit too much
1: Oh Judas Priest
0: <laughs> You won't hear us playing Judas Priest but you will be hearing an entertaining sports show with myself, Frank and David the Man of God Harris on WSUT's After Further Review airing Saturdays 11am to 1pm and throughout the week with our replay 6am to 8am on Tudor's Only Alternative and your on-campus radio station 88.3 WXUT.
1: Morning
0: And tune in to AFR, Saturday mornings, 11 to
1: 1, on
0: WXUT. Welcome back to 88.3 WXUT's After Further Review, a new week with new topics, but still back with Jacob Lethal B. Here on 88.3 WCTs After Further Review. we got David the Man and got Harris here on the phone lines. And a woo-wee is all I got to say. With the segment of winners and losers. And it was a woo-wee. Whoops. A, 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 a woo-wee week, basically. Well, actually, it wasn't really a woo-wee week, really. It was kind of boring until on Thursday night. But David would say ye as Frank Vashner would say.
1: Yeah, I know a lot of people are curious to, to hear about my response to the reaction and the suspensions of Osgard basically going full, crazy, borderline sitting at the table with Vontaze Perfect at this point, kind of with his actions, swing the helmet, hearing all the responses, to, hey, Mason Rudolph started it, where's his response, where's his fine suspension in the matter? And so, for all you guys that are curious and exciting, since that's week eleven, you have to wait until next week for that winner's and loser. But don't worry, I have. So, so next gone. week,
0: we got a week. We got to wait next week.
1: Yeah, because that was technically week eleven of the NFL football season.
0: Yeah, that is true.
1: But I, I know the people are wanting. Just just know that if they throw the book at Miles Garrett that's fine by me because if you have James Harrison saying that you need to calm down, that's, that's
0: all you need to know. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> we'll next week. So, okay. David. So David's going to tease you with the winners and losers next week, not this week, which probably next week we'll be in the studio. So that'll be pretty good for you. So kind of giving you a Thanksgiving feast pre Thanksgiving though, with the winners and losers. But now, this going into this week. David, go ahead.
1: All right, so week, week 10 winners and losers. Start off with the winners, because i got to get some things off my chest. In the losers segment, so real quick, run through the winners. The first winner for me, University of Georgia. You got into the college football playoffs by basically losing to a team that Alabama got beat out, and because of the greatest game of the season thus far, LSU Alabama. Do we think that Georgia is, going to be, is the fourth best team in the country? No. We all think that Alabama's there, but shout out to bouncing back from your embarrassing loss, South Carolina, doing what you need to do, and congratulations. Now that you're in the college football playoffs, you get to play Auburn because you're in the SEC and everyone just beats each other up for the last two months of the season. That, that is true. And sticking with sticking with the SEC, LSU finally reclaiming the top spot that they really shouldn't have lost to begin with. I I don't know if we could get that game ninety nine more times, but I think if we were to see a hundred games between LSU and Alabama, it would be fifty fifty. Because I think taking into account all that LSU has—the high the density, the top ranked team—Tua to coming playing. Literally heard and we saw how ineffective he was at certain portions of that game. Like, if we can just see that in the college football playoffs, I wouldn't be surprised if that's the National Championship game preview. Because I I think LSU is going to continue to run the table. They're not going to lose again. And I think Alabama, everyone's going to be like, I mean, that was a one touchdown game between these two. So we know that they're in. Another team that continues to make a strong case as they're moving up the table the Minnesota Golden Gophers, that by our good buddy, P.J. Flack.
0: Yeah, now that's a good story right there.
1: Like, everyone thought Minnesota, oh, man, oh, man, they're all right, you know, they're not really going to make any noise, but they're undefeated, Should should remain in the top 10 unless they lose, which... I don't think that they'll lose maybe until the bowl season. But I think Minnesota may be a dark horse. Now, I don't obviously know if they can win the Big Ten, but that's a good story for the way that Minnesota kind of just literally sprung from the ashes. And we saw PGs like do that at Western, Like, just, oh, man, Weston's all right. Next thing you know, where are all these NFL players coming from? in Minnesota. So, rowing the boat. Working good. Good story. Beat State when a lot of people were like, this is your first real, true test. Then they held served. So, shout out to Minnesota. But are you really yeah.
0: surprised by this, though? We saw this when he was at Western Michigan that eventually he was going to get Minnesota to at least be respectable. I mean, I think then they beat Wisconsin last year for that axe. And didn't Minnesota lose like what? Twelve or thirteen times before they won it last season. So I mean, it, 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 you could already see that what he was doing. And and I know a lot of people around in this area don't like him, but you got to give the man some credit. The dude is a heck of a coach.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think the reason that I'm a little bit surprised is because we knew kind of when you go from a group of high schools to a Big Ten, to an SEC, to when you go to one of these Power Five. You only have a couple of seasons. Like, you know, if you're not showing, like, that great improvement, that's thing, you know, why Willie Taggart was out of there, why Chad Morris was out there in Arkansas. Like, if you're not showing things after two, maybe the third season, like, then, like they don't have time to waste. And because you're in the big ten, because you're basically a state all to yourself, and it's kind of taking what piece like to them, the mentality of, hey, let's recruit close to home, Make sure we got home on lockdown, and then reach out. And as we're seeing, if you keep winning, if you're in these marquee games, recruits see that hey, we are viable power for Big Ten supremacy. That's going to draw in some of those other recruits from the likes of a Wisconsin, of an Iowa, maybe even a Michigan, you know, Indiana. Like you start to get some of those pockets that normally you wouldn't really associate with just because of your reach. Uh, sticking picking in the Big Ten. Uh, Illinois. Like finally bowl eligible, Lovey Smith with the Santa Claus beard. Finally gets them together. Well, myself included, I thought Illinois would be eh at best. Play couple you yeah, played Michigan close until the fourth quarter. You yeah, beat Wisconsin at home. Like Lovie Smith may get Big Ten Coach of the Year honors away from P.J. Flack just because of the fact that no one, even more than Minnesota, no one saw Illinois becoming bowl-eligible this season. Especially, again, being in Illinois, you think Chicagoland, Midwest, you're getting all those recruits. Um,
0: I don't know. I disagree. I think P.J. Flack is the only, I think, coach of the year. I mean, what he's doing up in Minnesota is pretty remarkable. I mean, they've been pretty much lovable losers for decades. I mean, the last time Minnesota football was probably relevant was when my grandmother was probably wearing barrettes in her hair. I mean, come on. Since the the early 40s. I mean, at least Illinois has had some decent football in the last 20-something years. Even though I won't take it away from him, he is rebuilding that program, and it was a mess. I'm gonna have to probably give the edge to PJ Fleck because Minnesota is still undefeated. They're relevant in the middle of November, and they could be probably competitive with Ohio State. I would let say like to say right now. Let's see how the rest of the season plays out before we start comparing the two.
1: Yeah, I think those for me those are the clear two front runners. But yeah. Both of them are good stories, I would say. I think just because Illinois was just like so, like at the bottom of the barrel. Like at least Minnesota was okay, competitive in a couple of games. Like Minnesota was just like all right, Illinois was. Mm, ooh. But yeah, this NFL, there's another team that's been a little. Ugh. For a couple of years, and I have to give him credit. Mitchell Trubisky finally in the winner section of this segment.
0: How so? I mean, hear this one.
1: <laughs> I don't know if it's because he wanted to like turn off all the TVs and how it called. But remember, he <laughs> went
0: up. Did you think the Bears would have got the win if it wasn't if it was Stafford instead of Driscoll as the quarterback? I uh...
1: well, I mean, granted, the, the matchup would have been a little easier, but. He actually looked confident. Granted, not a lot of his throws were that difficult. I mean, when you're hitting the open man, it's a lot easier to have a three four touchdown performance. But, I mean, he he at least looked decent, which for Mr. Tabiski, that's better than what we've seen like half of his career thus far. So he at least got off the schneid a little bit. He looked like he's... He's aware that the cobwebs of, if he can kind of control his own... Inner working to kind of keep himself calm and sane. I keep him be decent. It's just, this was way too inconsistent and it just happened to be that he almost gave up a game to the Detroit Lions who, again, had Jeff Drisco as a starting quarterback. But in the visual matchups, anything can happen. And mm-hmm. Mitch Trubisky playing confident and decent is one of those things that can happen. Right. And another anything that can happen last of the Week 10 winners, the Atlanta Falcons. Because they just went into New Orleans and just dismantled the Saints. And I kind of joked about it throughout the week. Maybe maybe the Saints were partying with the LSU team. And they were all, you know, red eyes getting back to the NFL game. But Alvin Kamara looked like, he was out of it. Drew Brees looked like he aged, like, 30 years. It was just uncharacteristically, but shout-out to Atlanta. Divisional rivalry game, everyone thought, hey, this team is literally going nowhere. People are thinking about starting from scratch, blowing it all up, and they come out here like, yeah, we're good. Yeah. So, shout-out to the NFL, I don't know if this will, quote-unquote, turn the season around. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. At this point, but good solid win to just show everybody that just because you are two and six in the league, one and seven in the league, mm-hmm. yeah, it's just I think Atlanta would be good. Feel good story, right? Forward, I should say. Keep going. Now we transition to the losers. We're going to stick in the NFL. The Dallas Cowboys, everyone proclaiming them the best team, right spread. oh, this is Jerry Jones Jerry's He's finally going to get off the schneid, finally make a playoff run. And again, you can play good against crap teams, but when it comes against the teams that you're actually going to play against the layoffs, you're running back. is great giving giving you 25 yards, but if you're in a third and short situation, where's the ZU Elliott? Where's the high-profile High-paid running back. Can't even get to two yards. Dak Prescott, inconsistent, wild, erratic throws. Like, in big games, when you're going up again, these teams that like you're going to see in January, you got to be able to put the pieces together. And you've seen Dallas Cowboys not good against a good team. That's a terrible sign moving forward, but Dallas Cowboys are kind of used to it. Their second loser, the LA Rams. I I don't know what to do with Jared Goff. Like I feel like if I were to right now with their performance, Mr. Trubisky looked better than Jared Goff at quarterback.
0: Well good you, you guys have to understand thing, too though that both of them have lost pretty decent running backs, obviously girly. Goff is not a Golf is a product of a system, and I think Sean McVay is also a product of a system. And you got to understand, with, as coaches, you can only win with the talent you have. That's why you got to be very careful by calling people "boy geniuses" and everything like that. He came into a situation where he pretty much had a running back playing like a Hall of Famer and a quarterback that was decent to sufficient. Kind of the same thing with Trubisky. You know, the running game has been pretty poor for the Bears. I mean, Jordan Howard was a pretty decent running back, and basically when you got a, a back like that or maybe even like a Kareem Hunt, I mean, let's face it, you don't have to pass as much, which means you don't—you make far fewer mistakes. Now, without that running game, especially for the Rams, Jared Goff has to make plays and he's just not that quarterback that can make plays. He, he's a decent enough quarterback. He's a, a starter, but he's not going to be ever on the Drew Brees, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady fear factor. Same thing with Trubisky. Get him a good running back, he could probably be a good game manager. But is he ever going to be on that Hall of Fame level? Probably not.
1: No, i agree with that. I think even more the running game gets the offensive line for the Rams. Like, they yeah, have true. taken injury hits, like, left, right, and center. True, true, true. And so part of that, helping with the running game, also in the pass blocking. Now, granted, Jared Goff hasn't had a lot of time. But even when he has had time, he's short you know, underthrown a lot of receivers. He's made the, some of those uncharacteristic mistakes. And even last year with a decent offensive line, part of it maybe is another year of people learning that Jared Goff, once that headset goes off like we saw in the Super Bowl and he has to count out defenses, maybe he's just not the best at it. But if you have no offensive line help and, you know, we saw a Thursday night he those like if you don't have an offensive line, your quarterback is toast. Just doesn't matter who you have out there.
0: That could be for Pee or Wee who football. Who you don't have out there? That could be to say it said the same thing for Pee Wee football.
1: Yeah. So, like, it doesn't obviously doesn't help that Todd Gurley is banged up and not himself. But yeah, this Rams offense is leaps and bounds not what we saw last year. Right. And it, it's it's taking a toll. All right. A few
0: more topics, and we wrap this up.
1: All right. Again, this is Week Ten losers. Cleveland Browns. Baker Mayfield can't call out your team and say, "Oh, we need our we need our home fans to be quiet." You know, when we have the ball, Fan, It's the Cleveland Browns. Like, have you never played football before? Fans are going to make noise regardless of if you have the ball or not, and especially this fan base that has been hurt and wanting a successful team, recently since they've been back in the city. Like, you don't get you don't get that right. I'm bleeding into what I'm going to say next week. Like, just because you score two touchdowns from inside the one-yard line, that doesn't mean that you're good in front of the red zone. Like, right. you're still horrible. It took a two-beat sneak and a missed off- an offensive pulling call and a one-yard wide-open touchdown pass. Like, those are two your three touchdowns, dude. Right. Like, calm down. Browns are still not good. Mm-hmm. But we'll talk about that. Right. Getting to the college game. The Ohio State and the Chase Young situation. And I this is more of just kind of when you know how to game the system, it, it help is obviously gonna help you in the long term. And the reason I say that is that if they knew that Chase has this thing hanging over his head like all season, but you wait until November right before the two biggest games of your season, regular season, Oh, oh! We found out about this. Now we have to sit them down for two games, and it's two games—literally the two worst teams on your game in the system. Because you're going to set them out the first two games of the season. Like, I just found it interesting the timing of this situation. Right. And so, but should, oh, Ohio they? They, you know, that they know how to game the system, they're like, oh yeah, we'll sit down for two weeks knowing that kind of being proactive about it won't get any more flack or suspicion and won't affect the rest of the season up to this point. And, yeah, so Chase Young will be in the games for Penn State and Michigan, which is probably what what they wanted to happen. And the last loser, our alma mater, the Toledo Rockets. And um, so this was on Friday, so I've had 36 hours to marinate on this. And just just a couple things from the game. One, we are a running team. We should not be throwing on first down when we have a running attack that top 12 in the nation heading into the game. Two, have we never run a two-minute drill before in our lives? And I know the answer is yes. Because you don't get to this portion of Division One football this late into the season not knowing how to run a two-minute offense. And the first end of the first half, okay, it was kind of egregious. You can kind of understand that uncharacteristically the announcers were like, what are we doing out there? But the end of game, knowing that you had under a minute, why are you throwing in the middle of the field when you only have one timeout? And then you throw in the middle of the field, you have to burn the timeout. And then just keep tucking down in the middle of the field. Like, have you, have you never run a two-minute Eli? Like that, that just blew my mind. Like, you would think that at least, at the very minimum, just go to the sideline, just get out of bounds, go that way. You've played that, you've, you've seen this happen. And then defensively, like, like if you see. That a quarterback is in for a certain package, and you've seen this quarterback run before, to not only get sucked into the zone read option and give up the outside edge once, but twice, second time coming in there game winning drive with a kick to field goal. Like that's on the that's on the cornerback, man. Like our secondary just looked out of it for some reason. And it always happens against the Night yet. But those two like all those things you can kind of understand schematically, understand. But my, my thing, my big takeaway, and it's been said a lot, like Terrence Taylor, like you're a late hit, you're targeting. I would not be surprised if he missed the entire game against Buffalo next week. He, has been, that's sus- he those- has
0: been suspended. He's been suspended. They've, they've already said that he's going to be suspended for, I think, half of the Buffalo game already, I believe. Or Pando yeah, so, suspended yeah. him. So, yes, he is suspended.
1: Yeah, but I mean I would even take it further, knowing that he's eligible to play second half, I would just say no. Like it's just that bad. Like it was that bad and flagrant of a targeting talent.
0: Yeah, a little to bit where, Yeah, it was very undisciplined, but we gotta get out of this segment, David.
1: Yeah, so that and that's thankfully the last of the winners and losers. Just guys guy can't keep seeing yourself in this foot out.
0: Right. Well, you can always listen to us on eighty eight point WTS after further review. Saturday's eleven to one. Also, David's winners and losers are always posted on our podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Coming up next, Frank Baster's calling in. Uh, We'll get his takes on a few things on his NHL quarterly power play. And then also, you know, some of these guys were upset about uh, Miles Garrett's next week, but maybe Rocket Football, that and more here on 88.3 WXUTs. After further review, we'll be back after this.